Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 8 of the show and in honour of the franchise's 23rd anniversary, today we'll be casting our judgement upon the curio that is 2006's Resident Evil Deadly Silence for the Nintendo DS. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy, and joining me on the panel this week, this podcast is dangerous, there are terrible demons, and there's also Sherwin Matthews. Also, to me, not to be confused with terrible gribblies. <laughs> He's really powerful, especially against living things, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello! You're our Amazon, Jordan, it's Cerealbox64. Hello! This episode of the podcast is being recorded live in the First Aid Spray Discord server, which you can join now to hear unedited podcasts and contribute to the conversation in the text chat, as well as talk to us and other Resident Evil fans about the series. It's also a good place to put yourself forward for file readings to appear in the show and to ask questions for our bite-sized discussion segment. You can find a link to the server in the description of this podcast and on all of our social media accounts. So... Let's move forward into the first segment of this podcast and every podcast, a slightly smaller version of the news. So our one and only bit of news this week, an easy unlock key for Resident Evil 2 2019 is now available for purchase, which would basically unlock everything in the game that you would normally get through playing it. Yeah. For free. Well, not no, not for free. Sorry, it would do it so you don't have to actually play the hard difficulties and so on, like your infinite rocket launchers and your costumes and whatnot. Yeah, that's an important distinction because it's four pounds. I don't know about dollars, but yeah, four pounds will get you your your weapons. Um, it gets you uh, hunk and tofu scenarios if you want to just have them. So that exists. Didn't really see that coming, but I, it's fine, I suppose. I kind of think it's a it's a good thing, although there are going to be people who are going to cry about it, that people should earn your bonuses. But, like, it's 2019. I have a full-time job. If I didn't have the time, it's nice to be able to just, like, you know, uh, play pay a few pennies, unlock the extra modes without having to have the force. I see it as just a quick, like, you know, get there quickly sitting, or if, you know, if you just physically aren't capable, it's mm. an accessibility argument there, I suppose, as well. Really? Yeah, accessibility is a big one for it. Um, mm. There's a big conversation, obviously, about video games being hard versus video games being accessible going on night, right now, um, as I'm sure most of you guys are aware. But yeah, it's fine. Like, I suppose there's a conversation to be had on whether or not you should pay for something to be more accessible for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get these modes and features. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it exists. <laughs> I, I yeah. think four pounds is asking way too much, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's not there's not many like products like this. I know the uh the 2K games, the 2K sports games have their accelerator mm. uh downloads and stuff like that. But I don't know 4 pounds is it, it's quite hefty for what is effectively uh you know unlocks in a game. Um if they have to put a price on it, I I definitely wouldn't go, you know, above 2 pounds for something like this. That's fair. Well, they could have piece I mean, I mean, couldn't they? I mean, yeah, not, not trying to be uh, cheeky, but they could have been really mean about it. They could have made you have to pay for the infinite rocket launcher and then the infinite Gatling gun and then this costume and then that costume. It's definitely a, it's definitely an alternative to yeah, pale paid DLC like that. But um, because because it's such a kind of like a weird new market, I don't think there's any kind of ideas or rules about how you should go about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way because yeah. 
in yesteryear it would be a cheat code. I'm fine with it being some kind of paid unlock now, but still, it's it's going it's it's going a bit higher than I would expect. Yeah, mm. I see your point. It uh, it kind of reminds me of the fiasco um, in the sort of previous generation about um, games shipping with their DLC and stuff already on the disc behind a paywall. It's kind of like that. You are locking away content behind a paywall. I mean, you can unlock it if you have the time and the capability to do so. Um, but it does feel a little bit weirdly reminiscent of that in its own strange way. It feels like six of one, half a dozen of the other, doesn't it? Like, mm. you know, it, it shouldn't be, like like Jordan says, it shouldn't be so pricey, but it's handy that it's there. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. And it's, yeah, part of the modern environment. And <laughs> it's, we'll it's see. the ongoing uh, market of what, companies can sell you know like the online pass scenario several mm. years ago with ea and stuff like that it'll it'll figure itself out and th there'll be an idea about what you should pay for unlockables and stuff but um i think obviously capcom's just trying their hand here especially on a game which did pretty well for them mm. i i think i agree with that the interesting point for me is that I see it slightly more from a Capcom's perspective, which is if they think there's an audience out there for this. I mean, mm. so you talk to the average hardcore fan or even someone who's perhaps um, not got sort of, you know, unlimited budget to throw at sort of games and kind of unlock, you know, when you say, hey, you could just get this thing for free by playing it a bunch of times. Um, there is a point where you kind of think, well, it's not really cost them anything to develop this. It's literally just a cheat code. I'm 100% sure that's going to cost some game dev. It probably already existed anyway, but if it didn't, it's going to cost them like, I don't know, 10 minutes <laughs> to yeah. make it. Like yeah. It's really not going to be hard work. So you might as well just put it on there. And the people who want to pay for that thing will just pay for it, whether it costs £2, £4, £10, whatever. They'll just throw money at it. So you might as well, considering the lack of work that you have to do to generate that, perhaps that sounds a little bit kind of... Uh, excessive, if that makes sense. But I, I think that exactly as you say, people will find their way with how much people are willing to pay for that. You've got to, someone's got to be first to do it, or someone's got to kind of come up with it. So why not start here and see where it goes? It's mm. true. It'll be interesting to see if this kind of thing becomes the norm. If we see this in future games or not, or maybe this will be the one time and uh, it'll have a, a generally negative reaction or what. Generally, so far, it's yeah, the reaction has been oh, okay. <laughs> so I suppose we'll see. And now, reading the file, Keeper's Diary from Resident Evil 1996, Sonny Bauer, who you can follow on Twitter at Artie Scarano. May 9th, 1998. At night we played poker with Scott the Guard, Alias, and Steve the Researcher. Steve was very lucky, but I think he was cheating. <laughs> what a scumbag. May 10th, 1998. Today, a high-ranking researcher asked me to take care of a new... monster. It looks like a gorilla without any skin. They told me to feed them live food. When I threw in a pig, they were... playing with it. Tearing off the pig's legs and pulling out the guts. Before they actually ate it. May 11th, 1998. Around 5 o'clock this morning, Scott came in and woke me up suddenly. He was wearing a protective suit that looks like a spacesuit. He told me to put one on as well. 
I heard there was an accident in the basement lab. It's no wonder. Those researchers never rest. Even at night. May 12th, 1998. I've been wearing this annoying spacesuit since yesterday. My skin grows musty and feels very itchy. By way of revenge, I didn't feed those dogs today. And now I feel better. May 13th, 1998. I went to the medical room because my back is all swollen and feels itchy. They put a big bandage on my back and the doctor told me I did not need to wear the spacesuit anymore. I guess I could sleep well tonight. Okay, so Resident Evil Deadly Silence for the Nintendo DS was released in 2006. It is the first and only that I can think of time that the original Resident Evil appeared on Nintendo consoles. Uh, strangely, it appeared obviously several years after the GameCube remake, so there's some discussion to be had there. Fun fact, Deadly Silence is the first game released in the DS library that was rated as mature. And uh, yeah, it, it did... It had an interesting reaction. Um, it didn't do great in terms of numbers. Um, I've got some, some numbers from VG Charts. Um, overall, they say uh, 0.26 million. To put that into perspective, Mercenaries 3D for the 3DS, admittedly a different console, but the same kind of um, stratosphere at least being handheld, um, that sold double and Resident Evil Revelations sold triple of what Deadly Science did. So it's it's the least selling, but again, arguments can be made for it being a port. And in terms of a reaction, again, a mixed one because a lot of people thought it was kind of lazy-ish, at least for a full title. But from here, we're many, many years moved on from this port, let alone the original Resident Evil. And it seemed like a good idea for us to sit down and talk about this as a way to cover the first game, but in a different way and to shine some light on this strange, odd little version of the original Resident Evil. So, uh, Jordan, how do you feel about Deadly Silence as a whole package? What's your experience been with it? Well, I've played a decent chunk of it. Um, I, I played through the Rebirth mode to just to get an idea of what it's actually kind of bringing to the table that's new. Um, yeah, it's... It's a bit. It's a bit bog standard in in the fact that it's kind of it's more or less the same experience that I've had on the PlayStation. Obviously, slightly different with controls and graphics and features and so forth. But uh, yeah, it was, it was more or less quite straightforward. As a as a portable Resident Evil, it's pretty solid. Like to take that on the go, it's still pretty decent. I mean, as far as like the sales numbers go, I feel like it probably would have sold a lot better had they made a version, an updated enhanced version for the PSP or something like that. I feel like the market was maybe a little bit different for DS at the time. That would be interesting. Didn't the PSP get the the literal, the, the PS1, the PSN version? Or they, did. Yeah. they did, yeah. I don't know when they got that released on the PSN, but they, they did eventually. It's hmm. true. It would have been nice to see some of these um, extra features perhaps in later releases, but I guess the only real later release is that PSN version for PSP and PS3. Um, so it's only natural they're going to take the uh, PS1 version of some kind and just move that onto their system. Um, Sherwin, how do you feel about Deadly Silence? Do you know, 
I don't, I don't know about you guys. I know you're all a lot younger than me because I'm old, but I actually remember getting this thing when it came out a thousand years ago when the world was young. <laughs> and what, what was really interesting about those two things that were super interesting about it at the time. The first one was it was a real swerve in terms of Nintendo's direction. If you can envision, they have a whole bunch of very, very friendly, friendly games, very much sort of, you know, games orientated around, you know, not excessive gore or anything else. And this really threw it completely. Um, this and Dementia were like kind of completely out of left field, kind of, this is a Nintendo game? Almost that kind of thing that happened. But the thing that was really awesome about this was it came out, and as an old Resident Evil fan, it didn't really matter, to be honest, that it had any new features or anything else. It now meant I could just play it portably. If I was getting on a plane to go somewhere, I could play the game. If I was going somewhere, you know, on a trip somewhere or other, I could just sit down and play it. I think it was the first time that Resident Evil wasn't made available that way. Outside of Gaiden, obviously, mm. um, but the actual core experience, and that's what made it stand out. And I think it's interesting seeing a lot of um, a lot of people consider it and, and think about it, sort of who weren't necessarily there at the time. And it's no criticism of those individuals, but it's more so much. It's like anything; it's very easy to look at something in isolation and go, "Well, this game doesn't have this many kind of um, different modes to it, or they didn't add any extra content here or there or anything else." For the people at the time, it's just super cool that we can now play Resident Evil. You know, portably. Um, yeah, portably. That was really awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, in a way, um, obviously, it's it's almost like finally getting to that point where the original game being developed for the Game Boy, the failed project that was, it was almost like seeing that finally come to some sort of fruition. So in that way, it's satisfying. Um, mm. And yeah, around that era, handheld gaming was evolving. What you could actually do was evolving. Because I remember getting the DS... Um, pretty soon after launch and getting the Metroid Prime demo with it and being like, this is crazy that this is on a handheld system, <laughs> let alone everything else that came to it after that. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about Deadly Silence? Well, I'm probably, I don't know how left field this will be, but I actually think it's my preferred version of Resident Evil 1 now. Uh, and that's in comparison to director's cut across the board and stuff. Like, uh, much like Sherwin, I got it around launch, but I was cheeky. I, I knew a guy who run a small game shop back in the day, and he got me an American copy, so I got it a little bit faster. <laughs> and uh, yes, I've got the dual-wielding Jill on the cover and everything. It's cool. So yeah, when I first came to it, I was actually taken aback because the, you know it, it looks like Resident Evil 1, just a little bit sharper. Well, in places anyway. Uh, I'd say a little bit more saturated. Uh, the character models are obviously a little bit more touched up, and everything feels a little faster. I think we're going to go to the mechanics a bit more later on, but... Yeah, I generally, I, I had a good time with it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I kind of surprised when I touched on the rebirth mode, though, that it's, I was expecting it to be literally like a port of the advanced mode from Director's Court, and it actually just, it took advantage of the DS's features. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, yeah, it's, like I said, it's my preferred version of Resident Evil 1 now. I'm actually, I agree with most of that, not just the, uh, it's it might be my favorite version of Resident Evil 1 but also I have the American copy as well by coincidence um, just recently uh, I, it came into my possession where a friend uh, just mentioned offhand that he owned it and it's one of those pieces that I just hadn't picked up yet so um, yeah he was he was okay with selling it on to me and didn't mention to me that it's the American copy so when I got it I was like Oh, okay. Well, it's a good thing I still have a DS Lite to put this into because uh, obviously the DS Lite is region-free uh, and the 3DSs aren't. 
which is a shame because I was kind of interested to see what this would look like on a 3DS XL and how much sort of the tearing would affect that sort of thing. But yeah, I played it on a, it was nice to crack out the old, my lime green DS Lite and uh, <laughs> yeah, get to play Resident Evil on the go. And for what it's worth, going back to what Sherwin said, I think some of the, I can almost understand the critical reception of it being, oh, it's, it's just a port. Um, so maybe it shouldn't be full price. But there is more to this than meets the eye with the rebirth mode and the fact that they've actually bothered to add stuff into a game which was 10 years old at this point. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was released kind of to coincide with the 10th anniversary of the original game. And they actually did bother to add a surprising amount of little extra unique moments to it, on top of the fact that you can play the classic mode as well. Yeah, I mean, in comparison between Director's Cut and Deadly Silence, there's no contest which one's got more content and which one clearly has a bit more replay value, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like, the pick-up-and-go experience of having a a portable console helps as well, but it does have a few more modes like that as well, where it's just like, hey, I've got five minutes to spend. Um, I'll just jump into one of the extra bits, which we'll get to, of course. Um, Mm. Anybody got any interesting thoughts on the fact that this came after Remake? How, how do we feel about... Does it feel like a step backwards from the GameCube version? Not just Remake, so it came after Resi 4 as well. I mean... <laughs> That's very true. You know, um, you can tell, obviously, with the, the knifing and the active reloading. It, it just feels like... Not a downgrade in, in terms of mechanics, but obviously a downgrade in terms of the way the game actually looks. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I see what you mean. And in terms of mechanics, obviously there is a mainstream audience out there that would feel maybe like this is a step back because, you know, tank controls well, I know are it looks like a PS1 game, kind of but, thing. you know. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's an interesting release in... Sorry, Sarge, do you want to... No, no, go ahead. It's an interesting release if you've just released Resident Evil 4 because, as we all know, Resident Evil 4 is kind of the reinvention of Resident Evil for a completely new generation of gamers. You know, the cutoff point between old school Resident Evil games and then, you know, the new generation really starts with Resident Evil 4. So if you've got a whole bunch of people who just went and bought Resident Evil 4, you know, super enthusiastic about it, love that game. Hey, our new Resident Evil game we're releasing is a remake of the first one. Oh, cool, let's go get that. This is nothing like it. Mm. It's, It's super, to my mind, it's super interesting. But I don't know, as a tag along again, for your old school fans, I mean, myself, I can probably count on the number of hand on one. Yeah, you know, I can probably count the number of times on one hand how many times I actually played through the new mode of Deadly Silence. I think I just play classic mode every single time because that's that's, that's why I'm there. I just want to play the classic version mm-hmm. of the game. I think as well at the time of the release, obviously there was there wasn't much of a sort of a digital storefront. Um, it's no virtual console. Um, yeah, for for. It was definitely a trend on the DS, and you see it on the 3DS as well. Obviously, the DS's launch game was uh, Super Mario 64 DS. So it had a few of these kind of releases where it would take, uh, you know, an old favorite and add a couple different modes exclusive to the DS and repackage it as as a new release. I mean, mean, in in comparison to other franchises, I've never kind of like... I can't think of any other examples where you take the original game and you uh, re-release it as an enhanced port after it's been remade. Because it's almost like, in, in most instances, the remake will be kind of considered the sort of de facto mm. uh, version to re-release at any other point. Um, the only other time that I know about that is if uh, something like Rare Replay, where they have like the original Conquer as opposed to its Microsoft remake. 
but I think that was purely down to compatibility and release schedules at the time. So, yeah, it's I a mean, bit it's Capcom, a bit unique. I mean, Capcom have done this already. I mean, not so recent. Well, sort of recently with the Street Fighter Two, didn't they? Um, what's the new one called? Uh, the name escapes me. The one where they added basically evil Ryu and violent. Oh, Ken. the the Ultra. Yeah, Was it Ultra one. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, having obviously gone so many increments ahead, and a lot of people call it a step back with a few extra characters. Interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> mm. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the comparison to Super Mario 64 is something I hadn't even thought about. Super Mario 64 DS. And that's actually a really good point. That's, yeah, but yeah, it's it's unique in the way that, uh, yeah, it is, it is a looking back. And that's why I mentioned the Game Boy Color version. It's almost like, uh, after all these years between, that, that team was still tinkering around with trying to get it to work. So they were just kind of ignoring that a remake was happening. They were still working on a, a portable version of the original game in some fashion. Perhaps that's true. Who knows? Um, it's hard to find any information necessarily on the development of this version specifically. Um, I mean, indulge me while I theorize, but you, you can't help but thinking that maybe this could have been some kind of project just to kind of see if they could get... Um, the, the classic kind of Resident Evil formula working on the DS and maybe use this as a springboard to do an original effort like later down the line. Yeah, goodness That's me, yeah, a possibly. Point. I mean, this was back, you know, this is when Capcom were, they were in an interesting position because they had obviously gone from working with Sony for so long to kind of swaying towards Nintendo somewhat temporarily and around this point, obviously, Resi 4 had already released um, I'm not quite sure if the PS2 version was out yet, but it, it probably was or it's very much on the horizon. So they were in a really interesting time in terms of working with both of those companies and probably looking to do uh, different things and different um, games on each with each and unique games and that kind of projects, perhaps. So yeah, maybe they were looking at uh, Nintendo being so, uh, like having a really strong um, audience of portable players and a system. Maybe they were thinking, hey, we can do some portable titles for them and maybe stick to the um, home console releases for PlayStation moving forward. Who knows? Alternatively, alternatively, it could be like um, it could be like band labels. You know, if, I, I don't know this, but obviously if Capcom have signed up to release X amount of Resident Evil games for Nintendo, at that point they're kind of starting to look at sort of, you know, I mean, I, I think memory serves, I think Resident Evil 4 kind of hit and, Everyone loved that game, but a whole bunch of people didn't have a GameCube at that point, mm -hmm. and a lot of Resident Evil mm -hmm. fans saying, "Sure, we own PlayStations. Why don't you release it on that?" Uh, yeah. So you you think, okay, so yeah, we're Capcom. We've signed a release to you know release however many games for this game. Well, we've got Zero, we've got Remake, we've got um, Resident Evil Four. Okay, we need one last one. How about release like the original on the game on the DS or something? And then as soon as we've done that, congratulately, now we can start making PlayStation games. That is. Probably the truth, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, the same way as bands start throwing it. Hey, this is mm. a live album, remix album. A lot of sense. Because, again, going back to where Capcom were at that point, they had that moment of, hey, we're working with Nintendo and we're going to make seven exclusive games for the GameCube. Whether or not all of them came out is up for discussion. But, yeah, they might have said, hey, we're going to make this many Resident Evil games with you over this many years. And, yeah, as you so rightly pointed out, the Resident Evil 4 version, the GameCube version, did do well in terms of a reaction, but it didn't do well numbers because the GameCube was not uh, a super great-selling console, so that's why they obviously ported it forward to the PS2. Uh, so, yeah, that's very true. So, 
So I guess we should be thankful that a game that could, if that is true, be essentially an afterthought is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of holding up, we talked, we looked a bit at the um, the audios, and it, it is essentially just a, a kind of sharper version of the PlayStation game. Um, personally, <laughs> when I booted it up and, and started a new campaign, seeing that classic. Uh, live action opening on the DS. Still a little bit weird just to see like a full motion, like a full motion video, like a live action video on a tiny little DS screen. That's still cool to me now. <laughs> you thought you were watching yeah. GBA video. Yeah. I was expecting like the old Metabots game where it's just going to go, and that's about all of the audio fidelity you get out of it. But no, all the voice acting is here as well. Um, the only real major audio changes that I came across were a few uh, strange, not strange changes, but some changes to instrumentation that was probably facilitated by the fact the sound chip is so different. I actually really like the save room version that's in this because it is a little more distinctly different um, because of the sound chip. Although there is an error with one of the save rooms where it doesn't play any music at all. I don't know if anybody else noticed that. Well, I'm not that much of a super nerd this time, sorry. <laughs> Just me, then. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, um, obviously you can tell the artifacts of some compression going on. Obviously it's working on a smaller screen, so I can get away with it for the most part. But yeah, some of the the opening cutscenes quite quite all right, but there's um, some later cutscenes with um, like the, the bridge when you use, a, use mm. the crank to uh, drain the water. Like that looks like a, like a gif from about 2000 <laughs> it's got about eight colors on the screen um you can understand the, the kind of cuts that made i obviously i don't have as much experience with uh the ps1 title or at least haven't played it for a good few years so i don't know exactly how compressed the uh background probably uh, less than separate are. ways oh yeah sorry no, that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that, that cutscene that you mentioned specifically is always one that's had compression problems, to be fair. It doesn't look good on, on anything. <laughs> Need to get that AI machine out. Crank it oh, out to 4K. <laughs> <laughs> machine yes. learning, brother. <laughs> Although, speaking of it, does I don't know if we crossed over to that yet, but did we, uh, my audio cut out for a second, but did we talk about the fact that I believe all of the audio in terms of voice acting and so on is exactly the same except for Richard? Oh, I did not. I was like, so I know he's got some extra lines. Did they change his existing stuff? Ah, that's possibly what it is. Mm. Richard has completely different voice acting. It's appropriately awful. Mm. It's like they got a new actor in and said, okay, ham this up. You need to be <laughs> real bad so you fit in with the original cast. Um, but no, he, he, he's got completely new audio, not the same voice at all. And I say, on the character select screen, they all have different voices as well. I think it might be a rebirth mode exclusive. Oh, because okay. he's, he's a little bit long. He lasts like a seminal bit longer in rebirth mode. Oh, I, I, think to... it's, I think that's due to uh, Master of Nighting, isn't it? Because mm. obviously that's the alternate mode, and at that point everyone starts talking and saying things. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, character oh, wait, extra voice there is one omission, actually. I oh, want to rant on. about very quickly. Still Dawn isn't the ending theme. Oh, the... that, that's criminal. <laughs> it's the remake's ending theme instead. Yeah, that's, that's true. Oh, see, right, I... this game's on the shelf now. I'm not playing anymore. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I, I can I can associate with that. Um, not necessarily on Deadly Silence, but on the remake, uh, Resident Evil Two remake. I mean, there's only one way I was ever going to play that game, which is with the original game soundtrack. And then when I finished the B Files playthrough, and I'm like, right, okay, let's go. Oh, wait, wait a minute, this isn't right. And yeah, you get the, you get yeah, you get kind of. 
you don't get Leon saying it's up to us to take out Umbrella, but you get the guitar riff at some point later on. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is good, but I wanted it at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. That, that was a real disappointment. Listening to the score, they kind of like, but somewhere near the end of that song, they sort of reference that old theme and it's like well that's neat and everything <laughs> yeah this is not what i literally paid for <laughs> i paid to have that old audio i want that old audio i think the new voice clips in deadly silence some of them are to do with the multiplayer part as well um mm. but richard definitely has some extra ones and yeah like you pointed out there's a there's a big jump you can hear a big jump in difference between the the, the old clips and the new clips um if you if you look into it and some of those are due to the, the new mini game um, that comes up, which, again, is another factor that we'll get to as well. Um, before we move on, any more uh, thoughts on the audio and video side of things? Want to still scare me. <laughs> yeah, I feel the fear. It's fine. Even it's, if it's uh, tiny on a, on a small screen, that shriek, <laughs> I, it's still pitch perfect to just uh, make my bowels want to start moving. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, ingrained gen- now. Generally, it's just quite impressive what they were able to fit on the car because it wasn't yeah. an experience that you were likely to experience on the DS all that much. Um, I know 3D games was a, a selling point of the DS, but it was not its bread and butter, to be honest, as far as like its very successful titles. And mm. I thought it did quite well. Like It's still a very faithful experience. Yes. That's actually... Um, one last audio thing I can think of. I don't know if it's just my brain playing with me, but it kind of found, unlike Resi 1 on the PS1, it sounded like Chris and Jill's footfalls were now different. It felt, uh, Jill's were like a higher pitch. Hmm. Or is that... Uh, maybe that was just the headphones. I don't know. I, maybe I'll sure. have to listen again. I'm not sure, actually. But, yeah, that's worth looking into. And actually, playing the game with headphones on, on the go, was also pretty cool as well. Um, hmm. Uh, it, it speaks more to the experience of the actual game necessarily over the port, but it's so easy to just sit down for an hour on your lunch break at work and just lose yourself in that game still 23 years later. Uh, and yeah, with Deadly Silence, you can do it anywhere. And obviously, Did you ever close your DS? No, I didn't. It's... It does the safe, it does the box thing. Oh, that's the sound funny. effect is literally the box. It's cool. <laughs> Needless, but cool. Mm. So we talked a little bit about it. It's come up. Um, we were talking about some of the quality of life improvements that have come forward from RE4 and stuff. Um, there's the knife button, which is the left trigger. And in fact, the, the point that the knife is not even part of the inventory anymore it's, is an interesting part. It's, it's just an optional little button away. doesn't take up an inventory space. So that's interesting. Um, coming from the remake, which I believe like released previously you've got the quick turn um, the ability to reload on the fly comes from re4 you can do that in this game as well um, you can skip door scenes now for the first time ever which makes the game a bit more pacier and of course with the game having two screens there you can see the map at all times uh, on the top screen of the ds so there's lots of nice little extra pieces there um, debatably does it make the game easier steve I, yeah, yes, it does. You, you, for one, especially if you play as Chris, you now have an extra item slot at the start of the game and you have a knife whenever you want. You know, it's, it feels like everything they've added... Ex- well, reloading, maybe not so much, but, I mean, you can check your health on the fly now. You don't even have to pause the game and because your, your map changes colour, doesn't it? The yeah, more damage true, you yeah. get. And I think 
may have touched on it before. If this was dipping their toe in, there's a lot of new mechanics that would have probably worked better in a new title. Um, I mean, the knife is the only part that really breaks it, I suppose, because the quick turn, by the time you've used it, it's probably about the same speed as just turn normally, at least in this one, because the animation is very slow in comparison yeah. to like Resident Evil 3. Um, reloading, I mean, it, it's cool and all, still quicker to pause the game, go in the inventory and combine. So, mm. No, that's that's fair enough. I think you've pretty much nailed it. Like the rest of it, it, it feels good to do the quick turn and stuff like that, and being able to reload on the fly. And like it falls more in line with how I think Resident Evil plays when I pick it up because of stuff like remake and and zero and stuff. Um, but yeah, the knife is once you realise that that's there and you don't need to carry a knife. I use the knife in this game way more than any other classic Resident Evil because I don't have to worry about it taking up the inventory space when I might need to grab um, a key item on my way through a room or something. Just having Definitely. it there now just to, to do the old double tap, it's pretty handy. I think the skippable door scene is probably the big one, though, isn't it? That's the one that lets you like speed run a little faster. Um, yeah, does it change the final time, I wonder? I, I think doors are never counted. I, I don't think they were counting the old one. Oh, uh, right, okay. Wrong, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Jordan, and I didn't even know about it. Oh, <laughs> I, honestly, I was I was playing through it, and every time there was a door scene, I just you know sit there and just okay. You gotta be respectful for okay. these things. You gotta let them play. <laughs> <laughs> they worked hard on these doors. Give it a little golf clap, you know. <laughs> How do you feel about the rest oh. of the uh, the little additions? Uh, I mean, they're great. Like just like little touches to just kind of bring it up to the speed that. Uh, that bring it up to the standard even mm. uh, that people kind of expect things like the the quick turn and obviously yeah the knife was was great when you want to be kind of uh economical with your your ammo um and how you actually dispatch of certain enemies and that but uh yeah the the biggest aspect is the map it feels weird because i think on the ds it, it kind of just sort of gets overlooked it's almost expected for a lot of games that the second screen will be an inventory or a map mm. or something like that but uh i mean i really liked you know having the map um in the resident evil 2 remake so kind of easy just to press the button to just see it just check it every now and then it's always good to have there so in this respect um i think it's a really crucial positive point for for the game in comparison to the original it's got that there and you can just refer to it anytime you like so actually made me think i actually have a question because i mostly played the rebirth mode and show and since you mentioned you've mostly played the classic mode do of all these featured in that or are they just kind of left out and yeah those things that og no no those things don't change in the uh, okay in the fair enough mode, unless my memory is truly failing me here I was, no, still in, still I was going to clock in a bit of time playing this, but then I realized I played it so much I probably didn't need to uh, <laughs> remember most of it. Yeah. Um, no, no, th those parts are still in it. What's interesting is all of the stuff you're describing, whilst, again, it, and this is purely unique sort of uh, experience I had, but all the things you're describing just didn't factor at all. I can't honestly remember the last time I used the knife to make a single attack in Resident Evil. Um, and the simple fact is, is that... Yeah, you know, you had a quick selection to actually just go stab something without having to carry it in your inventory, but you never needed to. Yeah. And, it's... you know, opening and shutting the doors, I mean, that's just 
again, part of the experience you have. The map you don't ever need to refer to because you know exactly the location of every single item, the same way as you know every single line of dialogue and where every single enemy is and so forth. Um, <laughs> know that feel. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose now is an appropriate time to ask Jordan, did you find the wind crest, yeah? Yes, yes, okay, I, I, I've, I've got it. I finally, Progress! It's happened now. It's, right. a, it's such a big moment. Facebook is going to remind me about it in 10 years. <laughs> I was going to say, podcast over. <laughs> <coughs> May 14th, <coughs> 1998. When I woke up this morning... I found another blister on my foot. It was annoying, and I ended up dragging my foot as I went to the dog's pen. They've been quiet since morning, which is very unusual. I found that some of them had escaped. I'll be in real trouble if the higher-ups find out. (coughs) (coughs) May 15th. 1998, even though I didn't feel well, I decided to go see Nancy. It's my first day off in a long time, but I was stopped by the guard on the way out. They say that the company has ordered that no one leave the grounds. I can't even make a phone call. What kind of joke is this? Uh, May 16th. 1998. I heard a researcher who tried to escape from this mansion was shot last night. My entire body feels burning and itchy at night. When I was scratching the swelling on my arms, a lump of rotten flesh dropped off. What the hell? is happening to me. Uh, May 19th, 1998. Fever gone, but itchy. Hungry, and eat doggy food. Itchy, itchy Scott game. Ugly face, so killed him. Tasty. For itchy. Tasty. So let's talk about more new features, this time brand new, not stuff that's been taken from other games and integrated. Let's talk about the the standout um, important one for the touchscreen specifically with Deadly Silence, which is the knifing minigame. For those of you who are more unaware of the game, um, this is, I I guess, I, I always thought they were random, but when I started playing through the second time, it seems like maybe not, I'm not completely sure, 
but sometimes when you'll enter a room you will be taking it into a sort of first person perspective on the touch screen and uh, enemies will move towards you and you will have to swipe and stab a knife towards them by yeah swiping and, and touching the touch screen and uh, there is also an unlockable mode that uses this which is just kind of like a waves of enemy mode called master of knifing which uh, yeah unlocks after finishing the campaign once so yeah a little bit strange um, but nonetheless worth talking about uh, Jordan how do you feel about the knifing minigame um well you know it's a, it's a nice fun addition um I can't help feeling like it, it, it almost felt like a bit of a nod to when they put some first person sequences in uh, Resident Evil Gaiden. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was reminded of that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's decent fun. Um, it, it does feel a bit strange because it is something that just kind of shows up every now and then. And also, there is, <laughs> it leaves a space. Um, like where you you interacted with uh, the the mm. first person segment after you've completed it, I suppose it's just in case you get any kind of rewards and that. But uh, yeah, I suppose it mixes it up a little bit. But as far as difficulty, it's I, I don't know. It feels so separate from from the main game. Yeah, because it just sort of happens. It's its own like almost little sort of like arcade style um, mission. Um, but I'm glad that they tried something like that. It was uh, DS was still very much in that phase of just let's see what we can throw at it, uh, see what we can make work on this on this touchscreen, and yeah, it was all right. <laughs> that's that's a fair review. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, how do you feel about knifing things first person perspective? Uh, uh, right, okay, uh, I'm going to be as charitable as I can. I feel like I wish it could be turned off. Uh, out of the, out of all the bonus things they put into rebirth mode, it's the part I look forward to the least. Uh, did you finish it on rebirth mode, Sai? I did. Yeah. There's one particular boss fight on that. Unless it's only on Masters of Knifing, my memory fails me. But fighting a snake with a knife is just—it's a chore. Yes. I, I feel like I'm playing a poor man's fruit ninja with zombies. And... <laughs> Because uh, it's literally the same mechanic, you know, you swipe the things and they split in half. Well, they don't split in half, but, you know, I like the stabbing, the actual tapping on the DS to, like, you know, proper mm. shank it forward. But um, it just, it's tedious and drawn out. And poor, you'd think Jill or Chris, when they have been, you know, accosted by their seventh crow in a row and maybe a few zombies, think, I might want to step out of here for a few minutes, just let it calm down. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it breaks the immersion a little for me. I like the Masters of Knifing minigame, but not when it's in rebirth mode. To confirm, yeah, there, there is the snake boss, the, the, the extra fight with Yawn that's inserted, which changes up sort of the the flowchart of the game somewhat, makes you go back to the guardhouse to do that, which really took me by surprise. And was kind of nice, because it was different. But yeah, overall, my thoughts are very similar. It's it's a little bit tedious. It does slow it down. It's, it's nice that they tried something, but... It, yeah, you, you, you suddenly scrabble for your stylus when you enter a room and it suddenly does this. And it, it's kind of satisfying because if you get the timing right, just as an enemy lurches towards you, you can pretty much just single hit kill them, which is cool. Um, mm, and, and strike stuff. Yeah, and it speeds up the process a little bit, but otherwise it can be kind of monotonous. Showing, do you remember the knifing game particularly well? And how did you feel about it? Yeah, it's, it's obviously, as I said, I, I kind of ducked it by playing classic mode an awful lot, but. 
I think I'm more or less exactly in line with you guys. I think you all touched on some interesting points, which were... Um, it's like the uh, the alligator section in the new RE2 game or the cherry uh, section in the new RE2 game. I feel like you don't realise until some, sometimes, until something happens to drag you away from your game experience you don't realize how much about playing an old school resident evil game is about that point where you're holding your breath because you're kind of i can't die i can't die i've got to make it through i'm running out of ammo i'm running out of ammunition whatever you know running out of ammunition running out of health you know i'm trying mm. to manage my resources as best i can and you're constantly yeah the thing that's driving you is the sense of okay so i need to survive how do i get from like point a to point b with the amount of items i've got you know where can i collect you know this thing or that thing or whatever else the interesting point with Master of Nothing, much like the other two sequences I said, is it tears you straight out of that and puts you in a different game mode. And you don't realize until that happens how much you were kind of holding your breath, kind of playing, and you know, oh, well, okay, I'm completely divorced from where I am now. And then you play, you know, you do the Master of Nothing thing, you kill a couple of zombies, drops you straight back in, but the sense that you know, your immersion is at that point has just been broken. Yeah, that's and fair that's, enough. That, that's kind of what I found. I mean, the actual Master of Nothing minigame was kind of fun. Um, I liked... The minigame wasn't too difficult to play, but it was just something where I felt like it, it worked fine as a minigame. I wouldn't want to throw it in the main game itself. It just felt like it took it too much out of the actual experience for me. It, it's it's interesting how I, I could be wrong on this, but it seems like they actually had new uh, environments for the sequences in the first person. Like It seemed like they remade the, the rooms so that you could actually view them from that perspective i don't know enough about the graphics of That's resident evil one actually a really so. good point um i mean they're all pre-rendered backgrounds so yeah they would have made all of those rooms or, or a portion that you see in 3d mm. uh, for those and they sections fit. yeah actually you don't you don't it's yeah it's funny that you were brought it up because it does define my point that you don't really think about it uh but yeah they they have done that and that's a nice little touch and I was I was going to bring up like oh, I wonder why they didn't do Resident Evil Two first because of its popularity uh, for the DS, but I think I might have just answered my question. In if they had put out Resident Evil Two first, um, they probably would have more trouble recreating some of those uh, mm. backdrops because there's a lot more detail in Absolutely. some of the pre-rendered areas. You'd so have to I thought that was nineteen uh, years. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch. I thought that was a really weird thing to to see because it's kind of like, oh wow, this was pre-rendered before, and they've actually went and made something in three D just specifically for this mini game. And I was like, that's that's, that's kind of neat. That is true, you know. I mean, it's easy almost to pawn this sort of extra bit of gameplay off as, hey, they just wanted to throw some touchscreen stuff in there. But they obviously clearly did put some effort into it with that sort of that th sort of thought oh you know hey we can do this but we'd have to put this much extra work in oh well let's do it so see that's yeah. the beauty of these discussions because we always pour over things and like you know, think about it, and then they really did put the effort in didn't they mm. they did just <laughs> fart this out and put it on the ds for the sake of it they actually did try so the last sort of feature that we need to touch on from the single player experience is the implementation of some touchscreen puzzles uh can you continue making use of what made the ds unique there is, yeah, some touchscreen puzzles that are in the save room. There are some blue chests. Really simple stuff, but a way to get some extra items. Again, with the quality of life improvements, again, that's a discussion of is the game even easier now? But uh, perhaps more interestingly is the 
I don't even know what to call this CPR mini game that you can come across with Richard. Um, I didn't really get much of a chance to do this properly because the only time it came up I was in a very crowded public place and I didn't want to sit there blowing into my microphone on my DS so I just kind of <laughs> let him die. But Steve, how did you feel about the CPR minigame? Did you come across this at all? Uh, I, I I vaguely remember doing it a long, uh, a million times, not a million years ago, but uh, the thing I remember most was just quickly backpedaling to master the knife and you could blow the puke back. What? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If, if, the, if they projectile vomit at you, if you blow at your microphone, you will blow it back at them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as for CPR and Richard, it's it's been that long ago, I'm afraid. It's kind of lost to memory at the minute. Uh, I mean, it's got to be easier than what Cloud had to do in FF7, right? Press a button <laughs> and then press a button again. So, Do you know you can completely negate it by tapping the stylus on the microphone, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, that, um, I should have thought original, about that. On the original, on the original DS, anyway, mm. um, you can negate the thing entirely by just tapping the stylus on it. Because I, like you, didn't want to sit there, basically giving CPR to my DS in a public place. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, quite frankly, everyone's already looking at you like you're kind of weird, anyway. Um, yeah, it's tapping better though. It looks like you're impatiently trying to, you know, just thwacking your, your DS. <laughs> it's also brought out the fact that the actual part we have to blow into your DS was so incredibly frustrating. Um, that it's kind of okay. There must be a better solution. Yes, I could tap. That's much better. Yeah, this is true. I, it's, it's funny because I didn't even that didn't occur to me that really just anything uh, around the microphone probably would have been fine. And yeah, I remember. And this is just a tangent, but I remember playing Guitar Hero and Rock Band and being like, I don't really want to sing the vocals on this one, so I'm just going to put the microphone right up by the speaker, and I'll still get 100%. So I probably <laughs> probably should have occurred to me that yeah, just any any kind of noise would have done. Uh, Jordan, did you experience this at all in your playthrough? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't use the microphone at all. But I mean, wow, Sai, you let a man die because you were too embarrassed to <laughs> blow on your DS in public. <laughs> he was going to die anyway. I know how this goes. I've played this before. I just, you know, like I, I, confidence is lost in you. Man. It's just, <laughs> I, I know if I'm in a dire situation. I know who not to ask for help. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll make sure I have my stylus with me. It's it's yeah. definitely one of the older sort of, not older, sort of like quite sort of aged features of the DS, the, mm. the whole aspect with a microphone. I don't know many games that used it, and, and luckily many games don't use it sort of regularly um, through a playthrough. But yeah, that that's definitely one that screams gimmick to me. Like, uh, other functions like um, using the touchpad, uh, you know, tapping on different items and stuff like that, that makes sense. But uh, it's it, blowing puke back. Yeah. It works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hell of a quote. And, oh, and, man. and it completely ruins the canon because now all you can think of is just that Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield are like pro puke blowbackers. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's just not right. Oh man. Oh, this podcast is coming off the rails. Um, <laughs> so, to be fair, I, I agree with what you said. And, and this is why when Steve said um, if he could take out one of the features, it would be Master of Knifing. I would take out the microphone minigame personally. <laughs> it's it, and I would say that's true of really any game that uses that feature. It just I've never I don't think I've found a single game where it feels 
right and it it just feels natural it always feels really weird there might be like a warrior wear mini game that uses it well perhaps but i don't know it just it seems needless and gimmicky like you said the little puzzles the extra touchscreen puzzles they're kind of cute um it's just matching up colors in the save rooms and i there's one in the laboratory i think where you uh have to connect some wires or that that standard resident evil affair that was kind of more interesting uh but again, just, just some added extra stuff that was, as, as, as Jordan put it, it's all right. Was there any <laughs> um, plot essential okay. stuff? Sorry. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering, because obviously I haven't played Rebirth Mode in a good while. Am I right? Was there any essential stuff in these extra puzzles, or was it always like bonus loot, like bullets? It, and, no, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, just, just like shock yeah. and shells and first yeah. aid spray. Yeah, it's just mm. bonus loot. I, I don't know. I always felt like they... Um... They kind of sat down and went, "Okay, so you're you're breaking a you're making a port of this game. Yeah, what is it that makes this console unique? What can it do that you couldn't do your PlayStation?" And at that point, someone went, "Well, you know, maybe we could do like, yeah, you, know, you blow into the thing, it's got a microphone in it. Yeah, you, know, you can do touchscreen stuff. Kind of, oh, okay, what might that look like? Trying to actually make it fit to the platform a little bit better than maybe a standard port. And I think it's it's all very well for us to kind of sit there and go, well, you know, it didn't really introduce anything new, but it actually did. It's just that we're rejecting that because we didn't like it. Mm, I mean, and, I mean, it's and I think. No, go on. And I mean, there's another couple. I mean, yes, I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, along with all the other, you know, a couple other different reasons why I didn't play Rebirth mode very much and I just played the classic mode is because, you know, the CPR bit was irritating because it was just difficult to actually do. Whether you tapped it, whether you actually blowed into it, doesn't matter. You know, finding a whole bunch of bonus loot kind of felt just a bit like easy mode because I don't want to play. I don't want to get bonus loot. I just want to play the game as it was intended to. Um, Stuff like that was always kind of a bit irritating. Um, and then you have like this idea, and then also the other implementations were kind of a bit seedy, like the part where you can tap your character. Mm. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. That's very dubious in terms of the actual implementation of it. You can tell it's a bunch of guys in a you know in a dev room somewhere with no you know exposure to the outside world who've kind of come up with some of those animations. And um, that sort of stuff feels a bit funky, honestly. Yeah. But... I mean, the, the biggest quality of life improvement they really always needed to make in Resident Evil 1, there's two, and I don't believe they're in Deadly Silence, is one, put a chest in the caves uh, when <laughs> yes. you first get in there, and two, make the crank handles different colours. Yes. <laughs> um, if they'd done those things, and anything else could be completely missing from any other remake whatsoever. As long as those things are good, I'm happy. <laughs> To be fair, um, you're completely right, though. We started off the podcast saying, you know, it's a great little port. It wasn't particularly well-received, and people thought it was kind of lazy, and we defended it. Um, but, yeah, we, we, now, we kind of um, do an analysis of the features, and we don't necessarily uh, think they're great with how they're implemented. But I think it is worth saying that it is good that they did do something. Um, yeah, it might not be 100% awesome, but the fact you've got Master of Knifing in there is pretty cool and unique, and it sets it apart. Yeah, and they made different alternate costumes as well. Again, they so did, it's yeah. not like they, yeah. I mean, some of them a bit grim, but yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And again... So Jill got a stripper cop thing back, right? From, yeah, she does, yeah. And then Chris is a ninja? ninja. The ninja, yeah. 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 Bit of a weird one. They tried. They, they, yeah. they, at least they made something new for it. So it's, it's not literally like it's a just a straight port. There and are the, some funky things they put in. The extra loot that you get from the knifing minigame and from the chests, I don't really mind that it makes the game easier. It almost kind of suits that on-the-go feeling of the DS, and mm. I guess you could say 
a Nintendo console, uh, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that part. But at least having it on the go, yeah, you don't have to stress so much um, about that kind of thing when you're getting a few extra shotgun shells and picking up a handgun clip after each nothing minigame, which aren't common enough that you'll be um, completely over encumbered with handgun ammo more than you would be anyway, which if you play the original game often enough, you're going to be fine anyway. But it's not like you don't get double the ammunition or anything crazy. It's just some, some extra stuff which makes the game slightly easier um, and just, yeah, if you're going to be playing it portably, chances are you just want to have fun breezing through it anyway, possibly. So I'm fine with that part of it, at least. I say, it's a shame. It really is a shame that they can't have, like, toggle toggleable extras. Because if you could turn off Master of Knifing, if you could turn off, you know, all these, like, breathing gimmicks and things, just the remixed layout and remixed enemy stuff, that was cool enough. I mean, mm -hmm. it was basically what Director's Cut did. I would happily, like, have... Is it N64 RE2, which had the randomizer? Uh -huh. Yes. Yes. That on the go would have been phenomenal. Yeah, that's fair enough. That would be cool with a randomizer on it. That would have been neat. Mm. So the final new feature, um, this is probably something that I would guess, but I'd be interested to hear otherwise, none of us have necessarily experienced ourselves, is that Deadly Science has Deadly Silence, I should say, has multiplayer uh, modes. These are, I think it's, what, what do they call it in the DS days? It's not single single cart is whatever it's multi cart that's what it is where everyone has to have a copy of the game there's no download play available for it but so yeah if you have a friend with a ds who happens to have the game you can play cooperative or uh, competitive resident evil one multiplayer it's very weird it's worth looking up on youtube uh how do we feel about the multiplayer uh stuff show and why don't you start with this uh my answer is real simple i had forgotten it was even on the cartridge uh, having never actually played it, yeah. uh, I'll be I'll be one of the people checking out on YouTube after this recording. Yeah, it's 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 interesting enough for a, a ten minute watch, and it's kind of cool because it's the only time that Enrico, Forrest, Kenneth um, are playable characters, and also Richard's playable in the multiplayer, and they're all unlockable in certain ways by the campaign. Uh, for those of our audience who aren't familiar with it, why don't you quickly describe it and me? So, uh, absolutely. absolutely. So, right, the competitive mode would basically boil down to you when you kill enemies of, I believe it's the enemy's color, it would, well, I mean, your, your opponent's color, because they're color coded between like yellow and purple, if mm. I remember correctly. It's been, I'm going to admit, it's been a while. Um, they would increase the durability of the enemy, and obviously That's you would right. get points and deny them points. Um, cooperative is a bit more, you just blitz through it as a team. And it's kind of underwhelming in a way because you don't actually see your colleague. You only see like a star, a literal star in a color running around. You don't get to see Jill and Barry or, you know, Jill and Richard just gunning it together, which is a shame. Yeah, that's hardware limitations, I'm going to guess, though, isn't it? Yeah. That's the part that I remember most is the fact that it's, yeah, you're, you can see where your, uh, your other player is because there's a big floating star, but you can't see the character they've selected and what they're doing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Me, and a, me and a buddy at college must have played it for the entirety of like two months, and then it died to death. Uh, Fair it's, enough. It's, it's not exciting. It's about as exciting as like, you know, most of the other DS multiplayer modes that weren't on a game built for multiplayer. Mm. You know, like your Castlevanias and whatnot. Just, it, it, it's a nice little thing, but... I mean, I spent time unlocking the characters, but it was, at the end it was, why bother? Because... Yeah. It's not it's too much like, depth to it, is there? There's only like three missions you can play, and that's about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's like is one in the guardhouse, of... one in the mansion, and one in the lab. 
Is it a bit like Nemesis Vision? Like, stars! All you see is stars running around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> literally like hollow, like transparent, just floating stars in the sky. Well, not, you know, like head maybe, height. Maybe that's what he sees. That's my point. That's what I'm getting at. Maybe that is literally <laughs> Nemesis's vision. All he sees is these stars running around. He's not trying to kill everything. He's just trying to comprehend what the hell he's seeing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad constantly trip. Confu consistently confused, poor Nemesis. So the deep lore is Nemesis is trying to play Mario 64, but doesn't realize. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and he's here. He's Yoshi. Um... <laughs> so it looks a bit like the live-action movies version of Roshi. Yeah. Oh, uh, Yoshi. Roshi. <laughs> Do you mean the Goombas? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that one. Shows how much I know that film. Yeah. <laughs> I love that no, film. No, anyway. Uh, no Jordan, one knows that film. Did you, <laughs> have you seen any of the multiplayer footage? I haven't seen any of the multiplayer footage. I, I saw it in the menu, so I, I knew that it existed. <laughs> scant idea that it was there, but um, but no, I've had never had a chance to actually experience it. But um, it's very sounds like a you know very kind of compelling mode to throw in there. It kind of feels a weird thing to kind of bring up right at the end of our discussion because it seems like it's kind of of all the things to include. Mm. I'd say it's kind of a hefty inclusion because. You have no idea if that's actually going to be kind of like feasible or tangible, but uh, I certainly like the idea that and I, around the same time I was experiencing, you know, with other games on the DS and the PSP, uh, multiplayer modes in say, you know, primarily single player games, where it was it was not really an advertised feature; it was just there. It's just the developers trying something out. Um, I, I know that the uh, the GTA games on the PSP had a multiplayer mode, wasn't advertised a great deal and wasn't shown much. Um, I, I kind of, I, I, I like that. I, I like and I appreciate that the developers do try and add something like that. I'm, I'm sure it was probably pushed by the publishers to some extent because they're saying, well, you know, online multiplayer, it, it's becoming a bigger thing. You know, can we put it into this game uh, to score some extra relevance online and stuff? Um, but yeah, I will need to check out more footage to actually see how it plays. But from everything I'm hearing, like it's a, it's a neat addition. Yeah, no, it's it, totally mind blowing. It's not not a turkey at all. It's um, <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> it's weird when you think about it because Outbreak is obviously set sort of a framework. They could have done something a bit more. I mean, obviously keep the graphics as they are, but they could have done more than three like assault courses. Mm, maybe mm. I'm being I think entitled. it's it's difficult. I think it's one of those things where it's, it's cool that it exists. It's a shame that not many people got to play it at all, um, even if it is kind of shallow because of just how unsuccessful, not unsuccessful, how successful the game wasn't, I should say. Um, and, you know, having to have a friend also with it, you know, because download play was the cool thing about the DS, being able to play a game that your friend had that you didn't, and that's not a feature here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool that they did it, being that the DS was a console that was up for trying these kind of things. A lot of games had some kind of um, local multiplayer functionality. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd for Resident Evil to do it, the original Resident Evil no less. Um, but it doesn't feel completely out of sorts because it kind of makes me think of the, the battle mini games and the mercenaries because in, in the assault course -y kind of way as well. Um, it's it's kind of like an offshoot of that in its own way. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, each character's got different loadouts as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, we should sum up our thoughts on Deadly Silence, I think. And uh, Sherwin, why don't we start with you? Ultimately, Deadly Silence for me at the time when it came out was this awesome new way to interactive a game that I was extremely affectionate of and had a lot of good memories of playing. And it basically gave it a new lease of life being able to play it on the go. Um, and you know what? As much as we might talk about, you know, kind of how perhaps Rebirth mode was mildly irritating, or alternatively, we look at kind of you know whether it was a good port or not, whether it didn't add, whether it added functionality in that we wanted to see or didn't want to see. It was an awesome addition to the Resident Evil world because it just gave me a new way to experience the game. And that honestly is the thing I will take away from Deadly Silence more than anything else. Steve. Uh, yeah, like I said at the top of the podcast, I kind of feel like very similar to Sherwin, but it's still, it's still, as I said, it's the it's the preferred way to play Resident Evil One, but that is the original Resident Evil One, not not Rebirth mode. Not, these new features, you know, the the ones that already debuted in previous Resident Evils, they're fine, but the more experimental Nintendo DS stuff, uh, I, I can skip. It's the multiplayer's okay. If as a talking point, as a small curio, uh, master and knifing on its own in a vacuum is fun, but as part of the main campaign, really just drags it and feels very instancy. And yeah, aside from that, it's still Resident Evil One. Is that a bad thing? Indeed, Jordan. Well, I, th I think it still kind of like holds up as a version of Resident Evil that you can play on the go. So it's it's always going to have that point for it. Um, I mean, it came out in two thousand six. And yes. I, I, I don't think it's kind of release makes that much of a difference to it because obviously the game is, is much older than that. But it still feels like something that you can kind of pick up and enjoy. And yeah, okay, if you're not used to tank controls, that might be a strange experience the first time, especially if you're playing it on handheld. But I think it's, it's, it's ultimately faithful. The extra features you could, you know, take or leave. But uh, it's got everything there for you to enjoy more or less the original experience. Um, it still feels pretty relevant that like you can pick this up and still enjoy it despite how many years it's been out and how many years it's been since the original came out, which I can't say that for many games, especially from that period when certain controls were still being kinked out. So actually what you said about relevancy there is kind of interesting because I hadn't thought about this before, but being that it's an original DS game, of course, you can play it on the 3DS, which I did bring up. But uh, we're coming to the sort of the end of the life cycle of the 3DS, most people believe, with the Nintendo Switch now. So we're actually coming to sort of what would almost be uh, the life cycle of being able to play this game necessarily moving forward on, on future platforms and stuff. Um, it is, it's going to become a thing of the past in its own way. Um, as a, almost like a last hurrah of the original Resident Evil, I think it's a really, a really good final version of that, if you like. Um, it's got all those little extras that and as everyone has said you can take or leave and the game literally allows you to do that because rebirth mode and classic mode so yeah we should probably at least give them the praise for for trying stuff and also basically giving you the ability to forego that and just have that nostalgic experience if you like um, but this time in the car on the train wherever you are Resident Evil on the go, um, just yeah, just a cool way to celebrate the 10th anniversary as it was when it came out. And uh, yeah, between then and now, as the 3DS seems to wrap up, um, definitely a good way to look back on the game. Um, yeah, personally, probably my favourite version of the original Resident Evil now that I've played it and I wish I'd uh, had a chance to play it sooner. But there you go.
I have a question for you guys, right? If you uh if you had to hand uh Resident Evil Deadly Silence in a DS or a PSP with the original installed on it, uh which would you rather take out um to experience? Would you rather have the sort of slightly modified DS experience but with things like better load times? Um or would you just stick with the original on a PSP? DS. I mean I've said oh, this, but nice. yeah, the DS version. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I agree with that. There's something very, I don't know, it's ergonomic is the right word for it, but it, it's just, yeah, it, it feels very, uh, yeah, tactile and good on the DS and the ability to have all those little quality of life improvements is nice, whether you're playing Reverb or Classic, being able to, yeah, it just feels nice and punchy, this new sort of souped up, sharper version. Wait, My. still dawns on the PSP version. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so am, am, I, am I giving it to a new person who's never experienced the series before or myself? Yourself. I'm going to pick the DS version. I like having the extra option to be able to play the, re the Rebirth mode if I want to. Um, but ultimately, I think I'm going to end up playing the, the obviously classic mode. But exactly as you guys say, it looks a bit nicer, it plays a bit nicer. That's such a really good question to end it on. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that says it in terms of the quality of this little port that whilst it could. was kind of yeah the little port that could um the <laughs> yeah. critic said poo poo you know it's kind of meh but it's if you're looking for a good way to play resident evil and perhaps a way you haven't played the original game before then uh, don't don't skimp on deadly silence it's worth a look and it is a capsule of a bygone era now really because obviously remake is going to get a port to the switch very yep. soon it's, yeah it's um and and so you kind of look back at this this was back when you just didn't have any kind of virtual console. So, you know, they're just putting out an enhanced port with all of these extra features to kind of bring you in and stuff. So you kind of look at it and it is a kind of a, a fun little experiment back from the mid 2000s. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributor. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayprod@gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can also ask questions for the bite-sized discussion segment, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at fasprayprod on Instagram at FA Spray Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode, we've got some plans. It may or may not pan out, but you may be looking forward ahead to the second part, the conclusion of Box Art Study with a five-person cast, if everything comes together right. Thank you to the panel. You can follow us all individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at Firebutton Games. Jordan is at Serialbox64. And Sherwin is at Sherwin's Agenda. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. It was almost the definitive version of a Resident Evil handheld, exp handheld experience. Almost. almost.
That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a great question. box art quote. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I say that from a perspective of they'd already achieved that earlier on in the series mm. um, with, with a wonderful game set on a cruise ship. But, um, <laughs> you know, to every everybody time, else, they... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for me, Master of Nothing. If they'd had the original Resident Evil guide and music playing out of the top, player, <laughs> at that point, it would be the definitive version of the game. Forget remake; it would literally be that much better. Oh man! You know, you say this, I actually think I would prefer Guidance Battle System for those sequences, even if it is just like a swipe at the right moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> 